Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. The Reverend Brian C. Dunlop is a full-time chaplain for the University of Pennsylvania. For more than 20 years, Dunlop worked as a public insurance adjuster, helping people struggling with damage wrought by hurricanes and fires rebuild their homes and restore their lives. As he became increasingly involved in his church, Dunlop felt his personal and professional experience had prepared him for another path that would allow him to accompany others through disaster and help them weather tragedy, chaplaincy. After interning at Jefferson University Hospital and finishing a clinical pastoral education residency at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania, Dunlop began exploring the spiritual needs of Pennsylvania Hospital's oncology patients through the Joan Carnell Supportive Care Program in October 2019. He then transitioned from a part-time position to full-time chaplain this spring to better meet the needs of patients and staff as COVID-19 swept through the community. Today, Brian and I are going to talk about palliative care. Uh, when people hear that, they think it's about dying, you know, right away. And so uh, he he was amazing for my husband and I came and saw us. So yes, I'm outing you. Came and saw us at the hospital where my husband was there. He said, stop bullying that man. I was like, he threw up on me on my birthday. What you talking about? And full transparency, I've also known Brian. We went through the Centers for Progressive Political Leadership together in 2009. So he knew me as a warrior then and he knows mm-hmm. me as a warrior now. <laughs> good morning, my brother. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Child, I'm just quiet. On fire. Always a thing. It's about the people, man. I'm always about making sure the people get what the people need. Amen. 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 If you weren't on fire, I'd know it was an imposter. So, um, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, So we have a few minutes, Brian. We have about 20 minutes. Let's talk about palliative care as you know it. And why do you believe more of us should... Uh, get that care when it's offered to us, take that care when it's offered to us. Okay, so first we've got to define what palliative care is, right? So palliative care is an approach, a comprehensive approach to your health and well-being for those who are experiencing serious illness, full stop. Mm -hmm. And why I say full stop there is because the history of palliative care is informed by the hospice movement in the United States of America, right? Brought about during the 1970s. So the language within healthcare, as well as within the public, for palliative care is always associated with end of life. But at its optimum, at its very best, palliative care is brought into the conversation upon diagnosis of serious or life-limiting illness. So when we get in on the beginning, we get the full benefits of what palliative care has to offer. Mm -hmm. And that's specialized treatment of your symptoms, your um, psychosocial coping, your family dynamics. I mean, we get into almost every aspect of your life because our experience of illness is not limited to the biology. We are not in an accumulation of test tubes for people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have family dynamics that we have to navigate when we're dealing with serious illness. We have um, 
affordability of health care that we have to navigate. And we need additional support. We need additional support to navigate the emotional and spiritual costs of our illness, not only to ourselves, but to our loved ones, those who are going to provide the most care for us. So that's what palliative care is. It's a comprehensive approach to dealing with serious illness that not only takes in account of all of these um, systems that are in play in your life, right? But gets ahead of you, right? Approaches you before you're limited to, yes. to say, what, what do we need to do to give you the best opportunity to live as long as possible, there as well as possible. While there you go, Brian. That's exactly it, to live as long as possible, as well as possible while coping with your illness. What I have found uh, when talking to you is that, um, you know, a lot of black folks, and I'm talking about us in particular, when we hear palliative care, we think death. What folks don't realize is palliative care can help you. You don't necessarily have to be dying to go into palliative care, right? Mm -hmm. They give you all the things. So you can have uh, massages. You can have, you know, all sorts of great things that are available to you. And a lot of the times when people go into palliative care, they live much longer, right? Instead of sitting in the hospital suffering and dying because I'm not taking that because blah, 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 blah. Explain that part to folks, please. So... As I said, it it all goes back to being tied into hospice care, right? And hospice care is a form of palliative care. care. There's no getting along with it, right? Hospice is a subset of it. It's during that last six months of life where you can become eligible for hospice care. But we're going to put that to the side for this morning, right? Because palliative care is so much more. Right. And and it's really you, you mentioned massage. Well, I gave you too long an introduction. It was like going to the dentist to get my teeth pulled, pulled, listening to that introduction. But when I was at the Joan Parnell Supportive Care Team, when I was a member of that team, we did offer shiatsu massage to those patients who are undergoing chemotherapy. So it's not a giving up. Right. It's not an end to curative treatment. Right. It's an and both. It's curative and supportive treatment. Right. And where our community, the African-American community, written laws, uh, the African-Caribbean, the African community in the United States, we suffer an out of proportion amount of uh, morbidity and mortality from chronic illnesses and disease. But yet when we hear palliative care, instead of saying, oh, yeah, I want that. That's going to give me more help. We say, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. That means I'm, I must be dying. And so far from the truth, it's all about living and the quality of your life. I, I, so I want to use my husband as an example. When he was um, in the ICCU, you said if it gets to a certain point, let's let's talk about palliative care for him to give him some help to help him restore his health. Remember us talking about that. Right. And, and I was open right, to right. that because I knew my husband wasn't dying at that point. I just was like, let's figure out all the things that he can get. Occupational therapy, physical therapy. And we have now have access to all of that. Right. To give us what we and, need. And those to are, for. Right. Excuse me. I'm sorry. But the occupational therapy and physical therapy, those are palliative treatments. Those are geared at enhancing your husband's recovery and quality of life, right? 
Nothing to do with whether or not he lives or, or dies. dies. Right. But thank God he is well and alive. Right. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes. Amen. But it is it is about getting all the supports that are available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our community faces, you know, everyone talks about the social determinants of health. Okay. And they are real. Our people live um, disproportionately in food deserts. We don't have access to timely and, and adequate health care in many instances, right? But we, we are, when we get towards the end of life, we are over-medicalized, right? And a lot of that has to do with not receiving the supports that we could have benefited from further upstream, way before we get to those decision-making meetings. And for far too many members of our community, the misunderstanding of palliative care is reinforced by its practical application. And what I mean by that is we don't get referred to palliative care way up the stream, right? We, we don't get the additional attention that we could benefit from because there's an expectation on both ends of the conversation, that we're not going to take advantage of it. So, so we don't get offered it because they because we have said enough times, I don't want that. So it does it's not offered to us, right? Right. right. Yeah. Or, or there's there's unconscious biases mm-hmm. that inform how an oncologist or how a pulmonologist or any other specialist will will say, well, you know. You really can't talk to those folks about advanced care planning. So I'm not going to put the referral into palliative care so they can sit down with the social worker and see all the in-home services, out-home services that they may be able to benefit from. So when, when we're using the example of your husband, right, he is benefiting, although it is not under the auspices of palliative wow, care right. team, he's still benefiting from palliative care treatment. Because speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, those are all treatments geared towards enhancing his quality of life, right? Being able to do his normal daily living activities, right? So it's, and and there's another layer to it. When we do get to advanced stages or complex situations, where our illnesses are advancing, right? Having a palliative care team not only is an additional layer of support for those those things to meet specific needs, but it also puts a comprehensive look and overwatch on your care because medicine has become hyper-specialized, right? You got a kidney doctor deals with your kidneys. You got a lung doctor deals with your lungs. You got yep. a brain doctor. Deals. And then no one's looking at the person. Yes. There's yes. a fully living being there with worries and concerns. And if we don't have someone to look at someone holistically, sometimes things get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. 
Hold on one second, Brian. Let me take a quick break because they're going to sh- shoot me in a minute. I'm two minutes past time. You are listening to The I'm Source. Sorry. It's all right. On WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media, on air and online at wordradio.com. I am Andrea Lawful Sanders. We will be back with the final segment of The Source today with, with our chaplain from the University of Pennsylvania, Brian Dunlop, right after these messages. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Welcome back to the final segment of The Source today on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media, on air and online at wordradio.com. If you're just joining us, I am Andrea Lawful Sanders, your host, Mondays through Fridays from 5 to 7 a.m. I have the chaplain of the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Brian Dunlop, uh, the Reverend and soon, soon be the Reverend Dr. Brian Dunlop because he's finishing up his PhD. I'm so excited for him. He's such a caring, warm person. Um, and as the, the, the question that I wanted to ask of him, since there are people online as saying this, how can we reconnect medical teams to the whole person when they're in a hospital versus having them specialize in the one thing? How can we as the, the average person in a hospital get doctors and nurses to listen to us and see us as the whole person versus everybody just dealing with their specialties? Well, if I can come up with a 30 second answer to that question, um, we, we'd be in business, yeah. right? Yeah. So it, it, it is a, um, it's a definite issue, all kidding aside, that for far too many of us, our experience seeking health care, right, is burdened by our, our full humanity not being seen nor heard. Um, far too many um, providers are um, less than comfortable with all of what we bring in many encounters and their discomfort, whether it's conscious or unconscious, right? Creates a distancing effect where we can't just be people talking to people. Um, and, you know, the, the patriarchy, the historical patriarchy and racism that informs medicine, we encounter the consequences of centuries of that. So just like, you know, we we encounter systemic racism and the remnants of it in our daily lives outside of the hospital, we're going to encounter them in the hospital. The the unfortunately, um, we we are burdened in our daily lives with navigating systems where we're called upon to code switch, right? Or, or I spoke of in the past, you know, we are physically wearing a mask that black people have been wearing masks to survive long before the pandemic ever occurred. Right. So when we are at our most vulnerable, when we need medical care, um, it is disheartening. It is heartbreaking that we have to overcome an additional barrier. Mm-hmm. But that is the reality. And I think it's incumbent upon us to advocate for ourselves or to do the things that, that, that grandmama knew to do. You don't go to the hospital alone. You go with your family, right? That's one of the things about us is we come with community, right? Mm-hmm. So, so bring that person who's going to be an additional ear. Mm-hmm. Come with your list of questions mm-hmm. prepared mm-hmm. and demand 
that the folks who are in a rush to get to the next place in the next room take the adequate time that you are deserving of so they attune to all of your needs and answer all of your questions. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at some point, if the burden is still going to be ours to demand equitable truth. Yeah. And, and that's the triggering part. And so I have been on the air having this conversation for years. This is not just something that started. Since I got on the air in 2019, I have been saying to my people, to all people, because it's not just black folks that it's happening to. It's happening to a lot of folks mm-hmm. across cultures, you know, that in uh, that systems don't see us as whole people, that yeah. they see us, you know, they're treating the symptom and moving on to the next thing. Um, and so I've been asking, advocate for yourselves, you know, when, when the surveys come, fill out the surveys and make sure that you you get all of that out there, that you ask the questions, that you say, you know what, can I have the nurse manager? Where whatever hospital system that you're in, if you're not feeling comfortable with the way you're being treated, don't feel like you're going to hurt somebody's feeling. This is your life that you're talking about, right? To ask those questions, to make sure, to write your questions down because you're absolutely right. When the doctors come in to do their rounds, they want to do five, six seconds, you know, of whatever. They may spend three minutes with you and then they walk away. Uh, my husband said, told me to tell you, by the way, thank you, um, you know, for, for loving on him and caring for him and coming to visit him at the hospital. Um, you know, but, you know, so much is going on there. And then as we're managing, you know, have family members there with you because we can get emotional. It's a part of, you know, watching someone that you love sick like hell and you're trying to figure out how to navigate through it and you're feeling dismissed and you're like, you get ready, you're ready to raise the rats off the roof and folks are very uncomfortable you know, once we move past a certain octave or if we have a certain, uh, you know, our body language is a little different. And to your point, we now have to then navigate again. Right. And show up differently. We can't be our whole full selves in order to be heard. So what are some of the things that um, providers see as problematic when they're dealing with uh, folks of, with culture? Call them. Mm, folks with culture. Yes, indeed. I love that descriptive. Um, so. I don't want to speak for providers, mm-hmm. but I will speak to my observation of okay. providers. Okay. 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 So um, I, I, I'm fully aware that I moderate my tone. Mm-hmm. I moderate my demeanor when I engage others in almost any situation. Mm-hmm. But when we get to those core um the things that we count most essential to our soul, and that's our health and our well-being or that of our loved ones, passions rise. Um, the unfortunate part is where our passion will be described sometimes as angry or hostile, where someone else's community's passion, well, you know, they're just loving and they're just upset. And so I don't want to be that person who says moderate your behavior. No, spooky wheel gets the oil, right? But you have to approach it. You're approaching a system. You have to approach a system with intentionality and systematically and strategically, right? So that's why, you know, thinking it may seem mundane, but having your questions written out, because guess what? Your emotions are high in an encounter. You're nervous anytime you meet with a medical provider. Talking about a serious illness makes it even more consequential. 
you're going to forget half the things you want to ask. Mm -hmm. But make sure that list gets handled. And when we when we talk about becoming relational in an encounter, make sure that provider knows the name you go by, the name you want to be addressed by. Are you Miss Andrea? Mm-hmm. Or are you Mrs. Lawful Sanders? Mm-hmm. How do you want to be addressed? Mm-hmm. Stop them, slow them down, and make them see you, right? And therefore, you level the playing field yeah. the way you would want to be seen as an equal, right? You're here to service me, Mr. Physician, Miss Physician. Mm-hmm. You're here to work for me, mm-hmm. not to dictate to me. Right. You're here to inform me not to kind of do a hit and run. Yes. With me. Right. Ryan. So hold on. I need you to come back on the air with me because it's now 655. I got to get off so that Solomon can come on. But can you come back on and do another segment with me, please? Because this is a a topic that is incredibly important for way too many of us. And I need us not to rush through this. So I'm going part two is coming up. Okay. I got to say one thing before you shut me down. Uh I am at Pennsylvania Hospital, part of the University of Pennsylvania Health yeah, System. Thank you. My Pennsylvania would kill me if I didn't point that out. <laughs> you know, Pennsylvania like, Hospital, part of the University of Pennsylvania Health System. Thank My you. brother, thank you so much. You. I, I look forward to talking to you some more. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 